Is it possible for a deception to be so big it becomes universal and literally takes over nearly the whole world? Is Satan real? And what evidence do we have that he is living in our world today? There are many today who say that the supernatural does not exist. Evil spirits are just the shadows in our own mind deceiving us. There are no unseen, malevolent beings living a parallel existence here on this earth. Likewise, the claim is made that God does not exist either. And there are no good angels and anything that is supernatural is merely science that we do not yet understand. We are alone in the universe and all the efforts being made to find life outside of our world are a fruitless exercise. Now, we could probably argue the finer points of this backwards and forwards for a very long time. But instead, let me share with you a story. Some years ago, I was studying the Bible with a young man. He was deeply convicted by the truths he was learning and decided to give his life to Jesus Christ. Sometime later, he came to me with a burden on his heart. He was addicted to a game called Dungeons and Dragons. He felt that not only was the addiction unhealthy, but the game itself had a dark side with a focus on the use of the supernatural in a negative and ungodly way. During his years of playing the game, he had amassed a large collection of books, figurines and other paraphernalia associated with his favourite pastime. Having become a Christian, he was now convicted that it was time to get rid of all this material and asked me if I would help him burn it. I was living in a semi-rural area of Western Sydney at the time, and so this was not a problem. So we proceeded to organise a good, old-fashioned book burning. When he arrived with about three large boxes, I asked him about some of the collections of figurines as they were unfamiliar to me. He commented that he had specialised in collecting different clans of Skaven, which were treacherous, human-like rats that lived in subterranean passages, covered with filth and disease, bent on destroying all life in the universe. Well, we proceeded to stack the collection on top of a pile of dead branches and brushwood collected for the purpose and lit it up, standing back to watch the progress. I guess I had underestimated the spiritual connection to this particular game and was entirely unprepared for what happened next. As the flames grew hot, a swarm of rats suddenly came pouring out of the fire and ran into the bushes nearby. It was a very sobering reminder that evil spirits exist. They are very real and they do interact with humans on a regular basis. Now, when I look back on that experience... I guess one could try and claim that it was possible that the rats came across the mown grass in the yard in the middle of a sunny winter's day and entered the burn pile sometime while my back was turned without me seeing them. But I really doubt it. That would be very unusual behaviour for Rattus Rattus. I would go as far as questioning which is more supernatural. The arrival of the rats in the burn pile in those circumstances or supernatural beings in a parallel sphere personating those rats to make a point. Either way, one cannot but help 
being impressed with the very real existence of supernatural forces at work. Of course, the Bible clears all of this up for us. It says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness, hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. So where did these spirit rulers of darkness originate? And why are they plaguing our world today? Why are they so focused on everything that is negative? And why do they want to destroy us so badly? The Bible says that it all began with Lucifer, the most powerful and amazing creature God had ever created. The Bible says of him that he was the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, the anointed cherub who covers and perfect in his ways from the day he was created until iniquity was found in him. That's Ezekiel 28, 13 to 15. Now, in a later presentation, Charissa will cover how Satan gained access to our earth. It's a fascinating story you won't want to miss. However, we need to focus for now on what Satan did when he got here. God did not give Satan free reign on earth. On the entire planet, he had access to only one tree. While providing freedom of choice, God made it as easy as possible for our first parents. The evil angels could live for a period of time on earth, but in an entirely different realm, unseen by humans and cut off from interaction with them. Only at the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil could they be in contact with Adam and Eve. Moreover, it was not God's intention that these malicious beings could remain on earth forever. Their doom was sealed for once the results of sin had been fully revealed and there was no chance that sin would ever return, they would be destroyed forever. Unfortunately, we have the record of our first parents falling for Satan's lie. Here is how it happened. The Bible says, Now the serpent said to the woman, Has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. That's Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. And with that one simple lie, You shall not surely die. Or as it's also translated, you shall not really die. Satan began his attack on the human race. He told a lie that he has been telling ever since and nothing he has said has been more successful. In fact, that simple lie is at the very foundation of spiritualism in all its forms, both for people of faith and those who profess no faith at all. First, Let's consider the people of faith. In J. Arthur Hill's book, Spiritism, History, Phenomena and Doctrine, page 25, he states, The fundamental principle of Spiritism, the service of Satan, is that human beings survive bodily death and that occasionally, under conditions not yet fully understood, we can communicate with those who have gone before. Now that's a bit chilling. You see, about half the people I study the Bible with have had at least one encounter with a spirit being at one point or another. Now, 93% of the world's population is religious. Most of those people fall into the big six, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism or Judaism. 
Sikhs, Hindus and Buddhists believe, along with Satan, that you won't really die. Their version is transmigration and reincarnation. They teach that it is only the body that dies while the soul lives on and enters another form. The Abrahamic religions, including Christianity, Islam and Judaism, generally also teach you will not really die. Like the Eastern religions, they believe in an immortal soul. But rather than reincarnation, it goes to live in heaven, hell, or in some cases, purgatory or limbo. How can there be such uniformity of belief on these subjects? And how is it that the Abrahamic religions have adopted these spiritualistic beliefs when the Bible clearly and plainly says, All souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son. The soul that sins, it shall die. Ezekiel 18 verse 4. Again, Revelation 16, verse 3, when describing the seven last plagues, God says, The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Clearly, the Bible does not teach that the soul is immortal. In fact, the testimony of Scripture is the exact opposite. Is it possible that Satan, recognizing that he might only ever get one shot at tempting humanity, told the most powerful lie possible, and that it is the power of this lie that has captured the whole world under its spell? From one end of the Bible to the other, we find the Bible speaks of the resurrection, not the immortality of the soul. In fact, there are more than 1,700 references to both the soul and the spirit in the Bible, and not a single one speaks of the immortality of the soul. In contrast, the return of Christ and the resurrection are mentioned more than 400 times in the New Testament alone. And universally, the Bible describes the resurrection happening when Jesus returns. Now, let me take a moment to point out the obvious. You can't have both the immortality of the soul and the resurrection, for they cancel each other out. You see, you can't be resurrected to life from your grave on earth, as the Bible describes, if you are already alive in heaven. So often people of faith become afraid of the open spiritualism that is promoted in our world through things such as Halloween, Harry Potter, or the TV show Lucifer, not realizing that many of us have accepted Satan's lie and are inadvertently accepting a form of spiritualism ourselves. So then what about people of no faith? Surely they're immune to spiritualism. Not so. While they may not accept Satan's lie in its literal form, Satan's lie has become the foundation of their way of life and worldview in its principle. In principle, God had said, there are consequences for sin, death. In principle, when Satan said, there is no death, he was saying, there are no consequences for sin. Do as you please. You are your own gods. What you think in your mind is what your truth is. What you feel in your heart is what is moral. There's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing as immorality. And there is no purpose to life other than to be true to your truth. The Bible also describes these people saying that 
Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God and changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Romans 1 verse 21 to 25. By denying the existence of God, these people have enthroned themselves as their own creator. Nature, not God, is now the most powerful force in the universe. And if it is the power of nature that has created us through a long process of natural selection, then nature must be preserved at all costs. For the preservation of nature is the only morality. Outside of preserving nature and ensuring your genetic material is passed on, there's no right, there's no wrong. Is it any wonder that we live in a world of the truly bizarre, a world in which we kill a quarter of our own offspring, throw men into women's prisons and change the gender of kindergarten children without even telling their parents? Paul goes on to say, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And surely we see that being played out in front of us right now. And so we find spiritualism taking over our world from Satan's first lie on two fronts. First, people of faith who literally believe it. And second, people of faith who live the principle of that lie. And yet on the issue of natural immortality, God in his wisdom could not have spoken with greater clarity. He says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward. Also their love, their hatred, their envy have now perished. Never more will they have a share in anything that is done under the sun. There is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5 to 10. Notice what the Bible says, the dead know nothing. It goes on, and this time from Psalms. Do not put your trust in princes or in the Son of Man. His breath goes forth. He returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. Psalms 1, 46, verse 3 and 4. Then again, the dead do not praise God, nor any who go down into silence. Psalms 115, verse 17. Now, of course, the first thing I'm going to be doing when I get to heaven is praising God. Yet the Bible says the dead do not praise God. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? Psalms 6 and verse 5. Imagine being in heaven and not remembering who God is. Then again, and we could go on and on through the Bible, but let's read this. As the clouds disappear and vanishes away, so he who goes down to the grave does not come back up. He shall never return to his house. Think about that in relationship to haunted houses. That's not the dead coming back. The Bible says, nor shall his place know him anymore. Job chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Those aren't ghosts of departed people who have died and are coming back. Those are evil spirits personating those individuals. Clearly, this is a vital subject that we have just scratched the surface of. And I'm sure you have many questions. For you to find out more, we're making several books and courses available to you. Don't miss out on any of these amazing free offers. And don't forget that on this coming Friday, the 22nd of October at 8 p.m., 
we have live questions and answers. So feel free to pop your questions in the comment section below so that we can answer them then. Coming up later in this series, we have a very special interview with a lady who was deeply involved with spiritualism and the occult. In fact, she operated as a clairvoyant until she discovered Jesus Christ. Make sure that you stay for that interview coming up further on in the series. But right now, we have something amazing to share with you. This magazine here called Spiritualism and the Occult, it answers so many questions about how Satan works, what the Bible says, and above all, it answers the questions of how you can have the victory over Satan and the forces of evil in Jesus Christ. So text the number 702 and you'll get your free copy today. I started doing drugs very early, um, about uh, 15. And I was doing crack and cocaine at 15. So um, that was after... um, I think I, I, I went through a stage where, um, well, at 14 I was raped, so there, you know, you you then, I suppose you rebel. You rebel and you try to put things into a, into a place where um, they fit for you. 